today on Hardwired. So Earth is about to experience the final seven bowls of God's wrath, all right? This is a big deal. So we come to chapter 16, verse one. Then I heard a mighty voice from the temple say to the seven angels, go your ways and pour out on the earth the seven bowls containing God's wrath. And the seven angels with seven bowls are released from the throne room of God with the command to pour God's wrath out. You're listening to Hardwired with Pastor Jeff Wickwire. Thanks for allowing us to share this time with you. It's our favorite time of the day where we get to hang out together and hear about how the truth of God's word can make a huge difference as it's hardwired into your life, your relationships, and your future. You may be stuck in traffic or maybe even stuck in life. Either way, today's message is going to help you get on the right track as you learn how much God loves you right where you are. And if for any reason you have to break away before the end of the program, you can always catch it at our website, hardwired.org. That's hardwired.org. So let's go ahead and get right into today's message. Here's Pastor Jeff to set it up for us. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this edition of Hardwired. Thank you so much for joining us. Well, today we're going to be looking at the book of Revelation once again as we go through the entire book. I've really enjoyed teaching it. I know you've enjoyed hearing it. We're getting really, really strong feedback on this series. And this time, we're gonna be looking at the seven bowls of wrath that are poured out on a Christ-rejecting world. I know this is not exciting to hear. It's very difficult to hear because these are very, very tough times that are gonna be coming upon a Christ-rejecting, godless planet of people who just wanted nothing to do with God at all. And as we so often say on this program, not only does grace come by God, but also judgment. And that's what the book of Revelation is all about. 21 judgments being poured out on a Christ-rejecting world. And after that, a brand new world is coming. So what are the seven bowls of wrath? Well, we're gonna find out today as we continue in our series, A New World is Coming. So let's jump right in. Now, last time in chapter 14, if you'll remember, we were introduced to six important angels involved in the mighty end time harvest of the wicked for judgment. The wicked were compared to grapes. Remember that? In a wine press, and when you put grapes in a wine press in Old Testament days, then men would step in there and, and step all over the grapes and crush them. And that's how they got the... Uh, grape juice, and I guess eventually the wine, and so on and so forth. But the analogy is that the wicked will one day be crushed by the judgment of God. So the wicked are compared to grapes in a wine press. And we closed out with a mention in chapter 15 of the final seven judgments known as the bold judgments, and that's where we're going tonight, the bold judgments. Because remember, the 21 in all. There's the seal judgments, trumpet judgments, Bold judgment, seven, seven, seven. And to me, they escalate. The seal judgments were terrible, but not as bad as the trumpet. Trumpet's terrible, but not as bad as what we're about to read. It's going to be a very tough time on planet Earth. And um, yet, as we read about the reaction to the judgments of God on the part of the people in the tribulation period, 
it's a little easier to understand why the judgment of God would be falling on them in the first place. Because even though they know it's God's judgments, they lift up their face and they put their fist in God's face and they blaspheme his name. When they ought to be hitting the dirt and saying, God, forgive me, have mercy on me. But no, they are defiant to the end. And it shows you sort of the kind of character and, and the place that people reach when God finally unleashes judgment. And I told you that if you took all the judgments out of the Bible, warning of judgment, the records of judgment, so on and so forth, you have a very skinny Bible. Because a lot of the Bible is about God's judgment. All right? He's a God who judges because he's a God who's holy. Not only a God of love, a God of holiness. Because he's a God of holiness, he's a God of justice. So, Chapter 15, the Apostle John's eyes are turned once again to the approaching judgment. We read in verse 5 of chapter 15. After these things I looked, and behold, the temple of the testimony of the witness in heaven was opened. The temple of the testimony of the witness. Now, what was the temple of witness? Well, it's probably where God remembers the death of the martyred tribulation saints. You remember that? All those people that are pictured in earlier chapters, under the altar, and they have been martyred. And they're asking God, when is our life going to be avenged? Because our lives were taken wrongly, unfairly. We didn't do anything. We were living right, and we were killed for it. So I believe that's what's happening here, and that's the temple of witness. And it's worth noting, I think, for all of us how Personally and seriously, God takes it when his children are mistreated. Didn't Jesus say, whoever does it to you, does it to me? And inasmuch as you were either good or bad to the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. You know, how many of you men in here are married? Raise your hand like you're proud of it. Got guys out here? It's sort of like I think I'm married. Come on, guys. Okay, now, what would be your, your response if... You know, you leave tonight, and you, say you went to a convenience store, and somebody walked up and, and just began to push your wife around. Now, let me tell you, if you're normal, you're no longer in the spirit. Right? Now, I'm not telling you that's the way you ought to respond. I'm just saying I think that's the way most would forget all about being saved just for a minute there. And you get in the flesh. But why? Because you touch her, you touch me. Right? And if you don't feel that way, come down afterward. I'm going to lay hands on you and pray for you. Because that's the way men are. You, and the same thing with your children. I mean, if somebody goes and beats up on your children, oh my, Katie barred the door. Because they touched you when they touched them. God's no different. Now, he doesn't act like we do. He's not in the flesh. He's spirit. But there's going to be a day of reckoning. For everybody who abused God's people. We know that from the book of Revelation. All right? John witnesses next the awesome arrival of the final seven angels carrying the seven plagues called the bold judgments. So here we go. Verse 6. And out of the temple came the seven angels having the seven plagues, clothed in pure bright linen, and having their chests girded with golden bands. These are elevated angels. Now, all angels are elevated. That is, they are spirit beings who do the bidding of God. 
Bible tells us in the book of Hebrews that they come to minister to those who are going to be heirs of salvation. They are mighty, the least of them, but they do have a hierarchical, a hierarchical structure. There are some angels greater than others. We've got normal angels. We've got archangels. We've got cherubims, seraphims. There's different levels. I believe verse 6 is pointing out some higher level angels, elevated angels. They're clad in white and gold, both symbols of purity. They seem to pause in front of the temple. Verse 7, then one of the four living creatures, remember them? Gave to the seven angels seven golden bowls. Now look what it says, folks. Full of the wrath of God, who lives forever and ever. I catch that. You say, well, God's got to love. He doesn't judge people. Oh, please. You and me would be ripe for judgment if not for the blood of Christ. All right? So here's the seven bowls of God's wrath. The four living creatures are the angelic beings called cherubim. And we met them in Revelations 4, verses 6 to 9. Now cherubim are angelic beings involved in the worship and the praise of God. Scripture says in Ezekiel 28, 14 to 15, that prior to his rebellion, Satan had been an anointed cherub. We note that when one of the uh, cherubim hands the seven bowls of judgment to the seven angels, there's an immediate reaction. Revelations 15.8, the temple was filled with smoke from the glory of God and from his power, and no one was able to enter the temple till the seven plagues of the seven angels were completed. So horrendous are these final seven plagues that the heavenly temple in glory, in the third heaven where God dwells, is filled with smoke, closing any access to this heavenly sanctuary as far as John's view is concerned until the seven plagues are completed. So earth is about to experience the final seven bowls of God's wrath. All right? This is a big deal. So we come to chapter 16, verse 1. Then I heard a mighty voice from the temple say to the seven angels, Go your ways. And pour out on the earth the seven bowls containing God's wrath. And the seven angels with seven bowls are released from the throne room of God with the command to pour God's wrath out. And that's what we're about to read about. So let's look at them. Here comes the first bowl. I got to tell you, it's nightmarish. I'm just going to read to you what the Bible says. Now, now, some people say, Pastor Jeff, that is really hard stuff. I don't know why you teach Revelation. It's the word of God. He intended for us to read this. Come on, everybody. I mean, he, if he didn't want us to know about this stuff, he would never have given it. Um, but John got this when he was an old man, isolated on the Isle of Patmos. It's around 90 AD. The fall of Jerusalem has happened 20 years before. He's in his 90s now. He's an old man. And look what God shows him before taking him home. Heavy stuff. So here we go. Here's the first bowl, verse 2. So the first angel left the temple and poured out his bowl on the earth. And foul, malignant sores broke out on everyone who had the mark of the beast. Everybody who had what? The mark of the beast. The mark of the beast. And who did what? Worship his statue. 
So when you buy into the beast system, when you buy into that beast system, you're done. Because this first bowl is going to be poured out on you. Now, I was looking at this and I thought, what are these sores? Well, the only thing we know about is skin cancer. So I started to do a little, do a little word study and the word foul is translated from two Greek words, kakos and poneros, meaning severe and malignant, bad and evil. So put it this way, you don't want one, right? So I'm thinking something like melanoma. That's the only thing I can, it's kakos, bad, poneros, evil. We get pornography from the word poneros, all right? Evil, that's what pornography is, it's evil. You do know there's nothing redemptive about it, and it is destroying our culture, but I didn't come to talk about that. We'll get back to Pastor Jeff in a moment to close out today's program. But first, I want to share something about our program. Our mission is actually very simple, to share the life-changing good news of Jesus Christ in a way that gets hardwired into your life. And we trust these messages from Pastor Jeff aren't something you can only listen to and enjoy, but that they inspire you to share with others. The message of the gospel is something everyone needs to hear, and that's why it's a priority to us. And you get to join us in this important mission. Call us at 877-884-3111 to say you're in, or drop us a line at our website, hardwired.org. Well, here's Pastor Jeff with the rest of today's program. So that's the first bowl. The second bowl is poured out. Then the second angel poured out his bowl on the sea. Oh, my ocean. I love God's creation. This is hard for me to read because I love the creation of God. Listen, if I ever did step aside and went somewhere and decided to write books the remainder of my days, I'd want to go to the ocean. The mountains, you can have them. Give me the ocean. I want to see those waves. There's something eternal about that ocean. Those waves rolling in, rolling out. To me, it's like a lullaby. Let me go to sleep listening to the ocean. But now look, this second bowl is going to be poured out on our oceans. And it became like the blood of a corpse, oh Lord. And everything in the sea died, oh my Lord Jesus. Everything in the sea died, beautiful everything, marine life, gone. When the second angel pours out his vial on the oceans, his bowl, they undergo a complete change of chemical composition, whereas in the earlier trumpet judgment, only a third of the seas were uh, affected. That was the trumpet judgments. This bowl, that's why I say it's worse. This bowl judgment brings tragically total destruction to the oceans and all marine life. I can't hardly stand it. But I know this, shall not the judge of all the earth do right? Yes, sir. Come on, everybody. Amen. God knows exactly what he's doing. Yes. Then the third bowl is poured out. Here comes bowl number three, verse four. Then the third angel poured out his bowl on the rivers and springs, and they became blood. Now, this is the rivers and the springs. So what's being affected here? Water. Water. All, all of the H2O. The oceans, the river, springs, drinking water. They've been struck now. Now, it reminds you of Moses' judgments, right? When the Nile was turned to blood? Yeah. Verse 5, And I heard the angel who had authority over all water 
Catch that. Who's sovereign over the water? Man? The devil? No. There is an angel over all water. Saying this, you are just, O holy one, who is and who always was, because you have sent these judgments. So notice what the angel is doing. This is terrible, God, but you are just. Okay? Since Verse 6, since they shed the blood of your holy people and your prophets, you have given them blood to drink. Do you catch that, everybody? This is all about vindicating the shed blood of martyrs. It is their just reward, says the angel. Verse 7, And I heard a voice from the altar saying, Yes, O Lord God, the Almighty, your judgments are true and just. There he goes again. God, this is awful, but you know exactly what you're doing, and it's just and right. Then the fourth bowl poured out. Then, verse 8 and 9, Then the fourth angel poured out his bowl on the sun, and power was given to him to scorch men with fire. And men were scorched with great heat. And look what they do. And they blasphemed the name of God, who has power over these plagues. Look what it says, folks. And they did not repent and give him glory. They know this is judgment. But they look up and they blaspheme God's name. Who's doing all this? And they don't repent. They don't give him any glory. They say, this is the hill I'm going to die on. I'm going to die on the hill of blaspheming God. It's really stunning to see the hard-heartedness of last days mankind. John observes that though they know these calamities are the judgments of God, uh, they do anything but repent. These first four bold judgments are devastatingly successful, universal in their destruction of earth's ecology. I hate it. I truly do hate it. I appreciate God's creation so very much. I always have. I don't worship it. I don't hug trees. But I'm going to tell you, I so appreciate the beautiful handiwork of God. And, and here the ecology. You know, everybody's so worried about global warming. Let me tell you something. Man will never fix what's coming. It's coming. The entire unsaved human race is smitten with cancerous sores. All of the oceans are totally destroyed, along with all of marine life. All of the natural springs providing fresh water are destroyed, and the ozone layer is obliterated, which explains probably the skin cancers. Though this could hardly present a more grim picture, I wish I had a camera flash of you guys' faces right now, because this is hard to take. But here's the deal. we got to keep in mind it's darkest before the dawn. Now, the Son of God is soon to return to install a glorious millennial kingdom of peace and righteousness. And so it's darkest before the dawn. Amen? And when the dawn comes, nobody's going to remember any of this. I am persuaded, said Paul, that all these minuscule sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared to the glory that's going to be revealed in us. Amen? Can we give the Lord a hand for that? But guess what? We still got three bowls to go. Everybody say, oh me. (laughs) While the first four might be explained away, you know, if if you were a real hardcore atheist, you might be watching all this going, well, this can be explained ecologically. It's climate change. It's climate this or that or the other. And uh, you could chalk it up to an ecological disaster that can somehow be explained away. The next three cannot be explained away. Fifth bowl, verse 10. 
Then the fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast. That's the Antichrist. And his kingdom was plunged into darkness. Now look what's happening. First, the judgment is being poured out on a Christ-rejecting, Antichrist-worshipping world. But now, the fifth bowl is zeroing in on the man himself and his kingdom. And it was plunged into darkness. Just like when Moses, so many of these remind me of Moses. Remember when darkness covered Egypt? It was so dark that you could not see your hand in front of your face. His subjects, it says, ground their teeth in anguish. So everything is about to collapse. The Antichrist kingdom is about to collapse. It's, it's about to end. Now in chapter 17, we're going to look a lot more closely at the rise of Antichrist kingdom. But here John is jumping forward. I've told you he does that sometimes. He'll jump back in time from time to time, or he jumps forward to give us a little glimpse of what's coming, and that's what he's doing here. He's jumping forward to give us a little preview of how it's going to look towards the end. So the fifth bowl spells the end of Antichrist's brief reign of terror. Now apparently it's here that those who have followed him are going to realize we've been had. We've been had. They will gnash their teeth in anguish over God's judgment. They're going to gnash their teeth. That's what John said. I saw Antichrist's kingdom, all those subject to him, gnashing their teeth. They're knowing it's all coming to a close. We've been had. He's not what we thought. What a terrible place to be. Oh my. We see also that the fifth bowl is followed by a strange cosmic darkness, possibly caused by dark clouds of interplanetary debris. We don't know what causes it. Could be totally supernatural, as when Jesus was hanging on the cross. It became dark as midnight at high noon. Could be that. Now the inhabitants of the earth begin to recognize this is the judgment of God. The kingdom of the Antichrist is coming apart at the seams. And, and what do they do? Once again, their stone-cold hearts refuse to repent. And instead of turning to God, they turn against him. Verse 11, And they cursed the God of heaven for their pains and their sores. But they did not repent of their evil deeds and turn to God. Everybody say, crazy. I mean, if I'm watching hell, and I know it's from God, and it's because of my sin, man, I am beating a fast track to the nearest altar, and I'm saying, God, forgive me. But no, and that's why I say, look at this. And then, is it hard to imagine why they're coming under judgment? I don't think there's anywhere in the Bible where the wicked heart of men is more prominently displayed than here. Maybe a few places, but not many. Aside from Pharaoh's refusal to repent during the many plagues during Moses, I don't know of any other example in the Bible. Now next, here comes bowl number six, verse 12. Then the sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great Euphrates River, and it dried up so the kings from the east could march their armies towards the west without hindrance. Now we're coming to the War of Armageddon. The sixth bowl judgment drives up the Euphrates River. Why does God do this? It tells us that the way of the kings of the east might be prepared. We're headed towards the worst war mankind has ever witnessed, and it's the war that Christ will return to stop. 
God's going to make a way for the land armies of the vast Eastern Asian continent to surge through the Middle East en route to the land of Israel and the Valley of Megiddo and the final battle of the Great Tribulation. The Chinese, they could easily amass an army of mega millions of people. The kings of the East, the Far East, the enemies of Israel will march against her for one last massive assault against the Jews at the end of the tribulation. You've been listening to Hardwired with Pastor Jeff Wickwire. It would mean the world to us to know how the program has helped you today. So take a quick minute and give us a call, 877-884-3111. Or you can connect with us at our website, hardwired.org. And if you enjoy the program as much as we love bringing it to you, let us know by your generous support. It would really mean a lot to us. There are daily costs associated with the program, and we truly do depend on the faithful financial support of our listeners like you to allow us to be on this station. So please, consider partnering with us today with your gifts to this ministry. You can call us at 877-884-3111 or go to the website hardwired.org. Again, call 877-884-3111 or at our website, hardwired.org. Thank you for your loyal partnership as we couldn't do this without you. And finally, Pastor Jeff is the founder and senior pastor of the vibrant Turning Point Church in Fort Worth, Texas. If you're ever in the area, we hope you'll stop by and say hi. And let us know that you listen to the program. That would really make our day. And Pastor Jeff would love to meet you personally, too. So till next time, have a great day. And thanks so much for listening to Hardwired.